Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Hollywood Sports Mom, where we talk about everything from Hollywood to sports, to moms, to marriage, to friends, to life, and all these wonderful people I've met along the way, one of whom is one of my favorites and is joining us today. His name is Jeremy Lowers, and he is my one of my co-producers currently on a show I work on, uh, but he's got a lot of other things going on. So hi, Jeremy. Hi, Carol. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I wanted to have you on because you are like, you're a happy face. I don't know if you understand this. There's not a lot of people who go through life. Jeremy shows up on site at our show and like you radiate sunshine from within. And I'm not trying to kiss your butt or anything. Cause like, I only know two men who do this. The other one's my contractor who works on my house. He walks in and everyone's like, he's the nicest guy. It's like, you have that. So I'm happy you're on episode two. Because the, wow. the world needs happiness. But I truly feel that way. You show up in the middle of chaos at our show. And I'm like, okay, Jeremy's here and he's smiling. Everything's okay. But anyway. Um, all right. We have a lot to hit. We have the big item, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But then we have all of our Hollywood scoops. We're going to talk because you worked with ESPN, Access Hollywood, Entertainment Tonight, Inside Edition, who knows who else. And you have a lot of funny stories that you started to tell me when we were working together. And I'm like, stop, save it for the podcast. I mean, we're going to talk Joan Rivers. We're going to talk Angelina. We're going to talk Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. We're going to talk Jane Fonda and whoever else might come up. So we've got a lot to hit. But the first thing we're going to start with is the amazing book that you just co-authored. And I want to congratulate you on it. I'm going to show it right now. Hold on, everybody. Thank you. Here it is. <laughs> it's the Beatles in Los Angeles. Can you see it? Yes. I have a copy too, in case you can. Oh, perfect. The Beatles in Los Angeles yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm just going to start. I'm going to start, Jeremy, by saying, I like the Beatles. You know, I like some of their songs. I never turn the channel when I hear them come on in my car radio. Am I a diehard fan? No. But when I got the book, I could not put it down. And I'm... You know, and it takes a lot for me to spend two hours to read a book because I don't have any time. But like I thought it was it's short stories of their remarkable times in L.A. from the time they were kind of a no name band to the time they were the Beatles and Beatlemania. And I guess what I loved about it, and then I'll finally let you talk, is that it brought me back to an era of Los Angeles that was so fantastic. You know what I mean? Like when it was like the city, I mean, the city of dreams and anything could happen and that kind of space and time. And um, I know, I mean, listen, LA's going through its own little rough patch, but like that's the LA I love and I loved reading it for that reason. So tell me how the book came about. Yeah, well, you know, I had over the year, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Mm -hmm. So my whole life, I've loved the Beatles. And uh, it all sort of started when uh, my mom put in the VHS tape of uh, the Yellow Submarine cartoon <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. And uh, that, that was it. I was hooked. Um, but about, I don't know, 10 years ago, I started thinking about all the things that had happened to the Beatles in Los Angeles. And... You know, he, he started, I started uh, putting this list together and realizing there were some very significant things that happened to them uh, here in my favorite town. Mm -hmm. So the idea was to bring uh, two icons together, Los Angeles being one icon and the Beatles being the other. And the important thing, and, and I think, you know, you, you hit on it, why, why it brings you back is because when I 
uh, did partner with Tom to, to write this, my co-author, Tom Weitzel, uh, we talked about the importance of actually talking to people that were there, mm-hmm. the people that experienced it. We didn't want to just do an internet rehash of things that had happened to them here. We wanted to dig deep and talk to the people that were there with the Beatles. And we used sort of our skills from Entertainment Tonight and and various other places of, of work to find those people, get those people and talk to them. And uh, I think that, that that's really the lifeblood of the whole book. It is. It's so cool. And I went into the book wondering, how did you find all this? Because there's some, you know, elements to it that nobody's ever seen before. So it's like you really kind of struck gold in some places. And I was wondering, how did they get it? And then at the end, I saw all these great people who, you know, the uh, Beatles, the guy who knows everything about the Beatles in and out, you know, and then, yeah, some of their old publicists and everything. And it's so cool that you got to sit down and just sort of relive it. And I love that L.A., I guess what you're saying is L.A. is like a character in it, too. And, it is. And that's what I loved. That's what I love, because that's the L.A. I moved to, you know, years ago with those dreams and, and everything else. But, yeah, I, I even like reading about in the beginning, it talks about Bob Eubanks and, you know, getting I'm not going to give too much away. Don't worry. But getting uh, the Beatles, the, the Beatles to L.A. And I'm sitting there thinking as a child of the 80s, I'm like, Bob Eubanks, wait, Bob Eubanks is like that host. Like, what was it? The Billy Red game or something. And I'm like, wait, is it that Bob Eubanks? And so hearing things like that, like what he did earlier in his career, you know, before I knew him to help start Beatlemania was just so cool. Yeah. I mean, he he mortgaged his home. Uh, to bring an unknown band at the time, the Beatles, to the Hollywood Bowl. He had booked the Hollywood Bowl, um, but he didn't have the money to pay for the Beatles. The only way he could get that money was to mortgage his home in Woodland Hills in the Valley, um, which which is amazing because nobody knew where that house was. And I said, we have to find that house. That's the house that brought the Beatles to Los Angeles. Totally. and we dug and dug and found some property records. And not only did we find it, but it's, I don't know, four or five blocks from my home. Oh, wow. Everything comes full circle. I'm convinced that's wild. And I, you know, it's funny you bring that up because reading the book and I'm kind of a history sort of dorky person. I, I loved seeing the addresses. You're like, this happened at, you know, 415 Avondale Avenue. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I think I've been near that street. But if I don't know, you should start a tour, by the way. New idea. Because if you're a huge Beatles fan, like to drive by these sites you mentioned is so cool. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And and I think a lot of the feedback we've gotten from people who live in Los Angeles say sort of the same thing. I Like I drive by that place and yeah. now I know. Yeah, one place, one place in particular that I drive by every day on PCH is the bachelor pad that John Lennon had. Oh, that wow. he rented from Peter Lawford, right? And he he thought it was haunted by Marilyn Monroe because Marilyn Monroe and JFK had their affairs there. But for John, it was this huge party house, and Rio yep. lived there, and there yep. was all sorts of craziness going on. And oh my gosh! Just, and now you drive by it, and you're like. Like, you don't know if these walls could talk, right? I mean, you John, Lennon, John Lennon lived there. Ah, it's you know? wild. Totally wild. And I loved, listen, this is going to sound so anti-feminist to me because I'm all about girl power. But like listening to the girls climbing up the palm trees just to see the Beatles, listening yeah. to, you know, the 
celebs, the Hollywood celebs that most people would know, you know, now older, but who they had flings with and the Playboy bunnies. And I, I miss that time. I don't know. I think it's fun. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I started to think about it. I don't think we've had that sort of craziness for a band since like that era. I mean, maybe in the seventies, I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe someone I, I else. Think, no. I don't think anybody compares to it's, it's very hard to match the Beatles. It it's is. almost impossible. I mean, you know, you know, my office is right across from SoFi Stadium. Right. And um, there was a group, uh, BTS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and they were across in, at SoFi and we were kind of watching all the activity. There's some mania there. Yeah, was yeah. I, I, I've heard, I've heard. And not that it even compares to Beatlemania, like you just said, but the only current group I can think of is like the Backstreet Boys, the NSYNC, that whole era in the 90s, not Beatlesque, but kind of close, because I remember being at MTV and the, I mean, Times Square, you couldn't get anyone anywhere near it. You know what I mean? They had to call an extra NYPD if MTV was having them in Times Square. So, um, but again, nothing like that era. No, nothing. I, you know, we tell about, uh, you know, in the book, the Beatles at one point in 1965 are renting Jaja Gabor's home yeah. in the canyon and they're all tripping on LSD. And um, all of a sudden, a helicopter comes over, and uh, there are girls in there that rented the helicopters to get a glimpse of the Beatles. I love these girls. I, I know, the helicopter girls, that's what they're called. And, and uh, one actually went to go jump out because she wanted to jump in no. the pool, and the pilot had to wrangle her back. And, no. Uh, so that. That when you talk about Beatlemania, I don't know. Yeah, no one was jumping in pools for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I love you, Backstreet Boys, but no. <laughs> as far as we know, who knows? Maybe, but that's awesome. I mean, that that's what I'm talking about, about just anything went kind of, even the LSD ice cubes. I'm reading it and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, you just, what a time. Not that I'm at, at all condoning drugs. You get what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it was a different time and our, our worries were... Uh, our worries were much different. And I, I love the whole happy days. I didn't expect happy days to come up with, you know, Ron Howard. And of course, I had a crush on Potsy. No, I, I didn't like Fonzie. Like, I don't know. Everyone liked Fonzie. To me, it was like Potsy was my guy. That's who I would have dated. So I love that. Uh, yeah, that was that was really cool, too. Yeah, to, to get two Beatles to show up on a, uh, you know, happy days set was pretty incredible. And the first first time was John Lennon had showed shown up with his son Julian and I think he was just kind of giving him a tour of Paramount and showing him studios and Potsy your boyfriend yeah uh was the first to sort of discover John standing over by craft services and he came out and said you won't believe it John Lennon <laughs> like is, is here and everybody just said well John Lennon's not here yeah and sure enough sure enough John Lennon spent the whole day uh hanging out with him That's and so cool watching and there's actually a great picture in the book of uh John and Julian with with the cast so cool and you know and it's funny because you know even though the Happy Days crew obviously stars themselves we all do that like especially when you live in LA you're like is that like I'm sitting in a coffee shop in Santa Monica one time and I'm like this little like nobody's heard of coffee shop and I'm like is that Annie Lennox from the Arrhythmics and it was and no one knew it was Annie Lennox because 
you just don't expect it. And it's, I always tell people, if you think you see a celebrity, especially if you're in like a New York or LA, if you're sitting there going, I think that's her, but it doesn't really look like her, it probably is. You know what I mean? Like, because if that's where your human gut went, just go with it because you're probably right. But yeah, that, that was a great story. And then the, um, uh, and we don't have to say it all because again, the book is so tremendous and you have to go buy it. But the football moment, which again, bringing it full circle, you and I work very closely <laughs> with yes, football. Yes. And I had no idea about kind of the poignant moment of, you know, John Lennon's terrible passing and how it played into football. And I was just blown away. Yeah. I mean, in the LA connection sort of starts that chapter and it was, uh, at Los Angeles Coliseum where, uh, uh, John Lennon was interviewed by Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football. Incredible interview. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, but the backstory behind that now Ronald Reagan happened to be a halftime show guest at the same time and and how John and Ronald Reagan actually kind of hung out together. Wow. Football was kind of cool given different, you know. Ideologies. Yeah, totally. So to just show that the power of sport can bring you together. Unfortunately, you know, just a short time, maybe six years later, um, Howard announced the death of John Lennon um, on Monday Night Football. That's how many, many people found out. So for him, it was very personal for him. He was very close with John. They did hang out, um, you know, in New York a a few times. And, um, you know, that's another thing you can listen to on the on the Internet. Uh, Howard's announcement mm-hmm. of that horrible, horrible moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he just did such a great job um, delivering horrible news. And, you know, that's not his comfort zone. No. Howard Cosell is a man who was used to talking about triumph and, you know, wins and that kind of thing. And, and this obviously was one of the biggest losses of you know, the century. Right, right. And then, of course, his personal connection. Like you're saying, like to switch off from the Howard Cosell doing that game to the Howard Cosell, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. You know, my my friend is lost and now I have to tell the world. Yeah. And we go into extreme detail. We talked to the producer that was on that. Oh, wow. That show. And, you know, I I talked to Frank Gifford before he passed about that moment. And um, there's a lot, a lot of detail of how it all came to Mm -hmm the land in Howard's lap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, un- unbelievable. And I, I just, again, and there's more moments like that in the book that made me just not put it down when I started reading it. So I- I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. I loved it. And so I, I before we move on to our great Hollywood type little tidbits, which are going to be fun, um, what is your favorite Beatles song? And then I'll tell you mine. I mean, it changes a lot. Right. Um, but right now, all you need is love is uh, the one that I'm blasting the loudest. Oh, yeah. That seems. That, that seems yours. What's yours? Mine is Here Comes the Sun. Ah. Uh, uh, I love that song because I, li- I tend to like songs that have sunshine in them. Like, because I feel like, you know, you go through dark times and then the sun rises again. And, uh, you know, I remember my one of my girlfriends was going through a terrible 
divorce and she was all depressed. And I said, let's go to Italy. And we went to Italy and we were sitting in on the Amalfi Coast looking over this balcony. And, you know, we never really, I mean, we heard that song once or twice, but it came on right then. And it was like, here comes the sun. And we were like, this is your anthem. This is your theme song. You know what I mean? Like it's a new chapter. We went on this trip. We're going back to the U.S. and you're going to start a new chapter. So I just, I love that song. I love, I love that. And, and, you know, it's the most downloaded Beatles song there is. It's the Thanks. most downloaded and most streamed, which is cool because it's a George song. And, you know, George, you know, never gets the credit that he should. But yeah, he would love, he would love to know that he had the most downloaded song. So totally. The Beatles. And, and I mean, lastly, I mean, I have, as you know, a two and a half year old son and his favorite is Yellow Submarine. Not, not shocking because it's a, children's type song um but it was so funny because he would want to watch the video on youtube and so i'd put it on and then you know you forget like and, and then the next video comes on and the next song came on which was come together and i thought oh gosh he's you know i better change it to something he's gonna like like coco melon or something and so he's listening to come together and i go to change it with the remote and he goes mommy and i look over he goes good song and i was like oh my gosh you're too <laughs> and now it's so funny because we have this thing where he goes mommy come together and i go right now and he says over me and i'm like you're two and a half but that's just, uh, so see no, the, that's, the beatles that's the don't know limits <laughs> that's that's the power i mean the power of the beatles and that's what's so cool about it it's on from generation to generation to generation i wasn't i was barely alive when they broke up yeah you know and, yeah and you know it's you go to a paul mccartney concert and you see a whole family there, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it's unbelievable, the power. And, and that's what's going to happen. They'll just keep going from generation to generation. I've passed it to my kids mm -hmm. who are older than, than yours. But uh, it's so great to hear a story about a two-year-old. Two-year-old. Oh, yeah. He I knows. That. He knows. Yep. I love that. And um, what did you just say that made me think of something? I forgot. But anyway, um, yeah, those, those are the songs come together. Here comes the sun. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to buy the book. Okay. So I just want to tell everyone, listen, because yeah. I've talked to some people and they're like, oh, my mom was in that, you know, my mom loved the Beatles, blah, 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 blah. So Mother's Day is coming up. Okay. <laughs> so this is it. <laughs> the Beatles in Los Angeles and Father's Day, by the way. So it's the perfect, perfect gift because it's just a great read and it's history and it's awesome. So thank you for doing it i mean i can imagine it was a labor of love for how long did it take to write it, it, uh once we started getting our thoughts together it took good four or five years wow it took a while you, i mean you, you got to pin down the people and it does go all the way to 2019 it goes to yep. sort of modern day so we wanted to capture all those stories too yeah yeah oh i remember what i was going to say when you were saying you see families at paul mccartney concerts you know, I had that thought when I went to see Billy Joel and such an amazing performer, songwriter, you know, sitting there banging on the piano. And I kept thinking to myself, I need to bring my nieces and nephews who were like 20, you know, to see this because not that I want to think about it, but when that whole generation's gone, the music is pretty much gone, you know, and music yeah. has changed and music's great. And I go to modern today concerts too, but I'm going to miss those people, you know, because <laughs> they were just... My kids will be joining me. They're 13 and 10 at Paul McCartney at SoFi Stadium on May 13th. Oh, that's so awesome. I love I'm it. really looking forward to just, it's one thing to see Paul, but to see their reaction. That's awesome. Um, so, okay, so much to hit. So the thing is, 
everyone needs to know. Jeremy and I work together. Jeremy, you're kind of like one of my work husbands. I don't have a lot of work husbands, right? There's probably just like three. You're one. Because we have to work closely together. We have for years um, on a red carpet show. And um, you put up with me and you have to deal with me <laughs> in meetings and everything else. Um, so a lot of times you and I are together, whether it's at a work meeting or we're at a meal and we just start walking around talking. And you just hit me with these tidbits and they kill me. And I'm like, just stop and save it for the podcast. Because a couple of weeks ago, you randomly said, you said, yeah, I used to be Joan Rivers PA. And I was like, oh my gosh, stop it. And I want to say one thing before I ask you for Joan Rivers stories, Joan Rivers is the queen, Jeremy, and she will never, ever be dethroned, no matter what you're about to tell me. So go. No. No, I'm a big fan, big Joan fan, but just a lot of things happened on her show. This is, this was, you know, this was in New York city. I was a college intern at the time and, uh, got, got in, which was nice, but my sole job there, the Joan River show was shot very early in the morning, mm -hmm. like eight thirty, nine thirty in the morning. And my sole job, uh, at CBS where where she was filming was to bring the guests that were on that day from the lobby of CBS up to their green room. Oh, that's a cool gig. It was a good gig. It was a good gig, <laughs> uh, especially, you know, being as young as I was. Yeah. And, um, the people that came across, I mean, Charlie Sheen, uh, Trump, Julio uh, <laughs> Iglesias. I mean, it was just a hodgepodge of people. <laughs> But the, you know, and I, you know, I'm getting some trouble too. There was, there was, I think the story that we were talking about was in regards to Julio Iglesias, mm -hmm. and um, you know, he at that time, early '90s, a big star, yeah, and and women are kind of fawning over him. Everybody's waiting for him to show up at CBS, and um, I earlier in the the day they. Or earlier in the morning, they said he, he wants Corona beer in his dressing room. So mm -hmm. please go get some. So once I got, got a six pack, came back to the lobby and him and I, he shows up with two dogs and no entourage. <laughs> and we, you know, nobody's with him except for these two dogs. Yeah. He's like, hey, let's, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, we got to go upstairs and take up, up the elevator, get into the dressing room. And I said, ah, the producer's going to be here in a minute. And he says, well, wait, aren't you going to have a beer with me? Oh, that's cool. And, you know, it was very cool. It was 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But you're a college kid. You should yeah, be I'm drinking at 8.30 in the morning. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I have no problem with it, but I was also at work. Yeah, and, uh, yeah true, true. But Professional faith. Who Iglesias wants to have a beer with me? That is so, we, so we, cool. We sat down in there and we were drinking. And then the producer came in. She just shot me a look like, oh. what? You went. But uh, that was just a snapshot of many, many things that happened there. You know, I, I, I remember watching her. And what was so great about her is that every celeb, I mean, whether you were Sarah Jessica Parker or, you know, Julia Roberts, I remember on that red carpet, they would all walk up to her and like be scared. They're like, Joan, I went easy on the earrings this time. Like they would preface it like they it would there was such mad respect for what she would then say um, on her fashion police you know, show after. And I just yeah, she was just one of And then those statements were hysterical. I mean, like laugh out loud. And, 
Yeah, I miss her. I miss her terribly. And um, and listen, you and I work on that's a red carpet. That's a nice person. Yeah, I mean, that's so awesome cool. to hear. And you and I work on a red carpet show. And truly, I mean, she took red carpets to, she's probably the one who took them to a new level. You know what I mean? There, well, what, what, here's a good question. Would that, would her style work today? I mean, she was ripping apart stars. Oh my gosh. You know, what? One, one of my favorites was Kevin Costner came up with his, you know, second wife, I think it was, like the one he's married to now, the woman. Um, and Joan was like, let me see the ring. Let me see the ring. You know, and so his beautiful wife shows the ring. She goes, oh my God, you're a fool. And she slaps Kevin Costner and says, you could do better than that. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, how do you react to that? But, but Kevin it's played it on totally. Just, so yeah. Great. So great. So great. My that show, you know, the, the show that she was doing in New York at that time was so spontaneous and it was live and she was getting good guests. And oh my gosh, she was making news with that show. Oh, uh, her one liner is just, just too much. But my only, um, my kind of Hollywood tale from that era, so to speak, is my Jane Fonda story. So my husband and I were invited to the environmental media awards. Now we had no business being there. Okay. Now that settled down everyone. It doesn't mean we recycle. We, you know, I hate litter bugs. Litter bugs are like my biggest pet peeve. So I'm pretty good, but I don't drive a Prius. I'm not using a freaking metal straw. I'm just not. But anyway, so we're at the environmental media awards and I'm like, George, like, there's Jane Fonda. And at the time, I'm like 36 and she's, I think she's double my age, like 72. She's stunning. And she's in this, these white pants that are kind of fitted. And Jeremy, I, I don't want to get into full fashion, fashion police details with you. But when you're a woman over like 36, 37, you can't pull off the white tight fitted pants for certain reasons I won't get into, but all of us women know why. And Jane Fonda's there with the greatest butt in all of Hollywood. And I know you can't comment on that. You don't have to because because it's, it's today's world. But I'm telling you, I'm sitting there. I'm like, George, she's got the greatest ass. Like she's 72. How does she do it? You know, it was just, it was wild. And then years later, I met some of her glam squad, you know, the people who do Jane up. And one of them was so funny. He goes, Carol, let me tell you, you're right. Jane is absolutely stunning. But Jane melts after three hours. And Jane knows she melts after three hours. So we get her ready. She goes to that event. And then someone's like, Joan, you know, we're at 245. And Joan makes her exit because she knows she's going to melt. I just, I don't know. Jane, sorry. I don't know why I called her Joan. But she, uh, yeah, she melts. She melts after three hours. Yes. I, and again, that's probably a comment I, I should stay away from. But, <laughs> yeah. But you got what I'm saying. It was like, well, you know, that's why they call it rent carpet ready because it doesn't, right. you know, always stay. You, you can get ready. And then... You can get ready. And yeah. And if, if Jane lasted three hours, I've thought about myself. I'm like, you know, that's true. Like, I think I got six hours in me, but after six hours, I'm a mess. Like, you don't want to see it. Like whatever. I see you run around a red carpet, man. I've seen you shovel snow off a red carpet. It's a workout. It's a workout. Listen, you can make, he's referring to when we were in Minneapolis, everybody. Okay. And listen, and he, Jeremy and the whole gang was sitting there in the control room truck laughing at me because I'm out greeting all the guests and celebs coming. And there's a snowstorm. And Jeremy, I was not going to be liable for Russell Wilson tripping or Aaron Rodgers was there. Like, I, that's the last thing I need is they came to my red carpet and they slipped and their career's done. So, yes. Yeah. So you guys were laughing at me because you're watching me like Russell would show up and then I'd run out with a shovel. And I was like, 
shoveling the carpet. And, and that's why I love working with you. There is uh, nothing that you won't do to make it a success. I, um, by the way, only red carpet I've ever been on where it's snowing. I know that was that was a beautiful that was a beautiful yeah. show and and yeah and I know I just and I'm a northeastern girl like I shovel I'm not scared to shovel like I grew up shoveling I'm like let's go, but yeah it was good times um, and by the way and no none of, I had a team of PAs none of them would do it like they're like oh Carol I'm busy over here and I'm like I'm not the boss like why am I out here shoveling but that's what you yeah. do. That's what you do to make it happen. But yeah, and it's a generation. Listen, Gen X, like we get in there, we just, <laughs> we get it done. Anyway, um, okay. I you, People probably thought I should have started with your Angelina Jolie story, but Joan Rivers to me came first. But, and I don't know what the story is, okay? Because you only told me when we were together. Oh yeah, and then there's this time when you worked on one of the other, you know, Hollywood shows, Angelina Jolie, and then I was in a pool, and I'm like, stop again, Jeremy, and save it. <laughs> so go ahead. Surprise me. Tell me. So, yeah. So that, this was when I was at Access Hollywood, and uh, I was a field uh, producer there. And it was the night Angelina, you know, the the uh, Golden Globes, you know, as we know, all takes place at the Beverly Hilton. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of parties all over the place um, after they are let out of the ballroom. So Angelina had made a huge splash that night. It was the first time anybody had really noticed her. She had this incredible dress on, on the red carpet. She was kind of the, the new star of the night and she won. She won for that, uh, HBO movie Gia that she did. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it sort of catapulted her that night. And, um, we were all kind of, you know, covering parties and mm -hmm. here and there. And uh, Angelina had said after she won the Golden Globe that she wanted to jump in the pool. And the reason she, in the Beverly Hilton pool and the reason to celebrate and the reason she wanted to do that was because as a kid, she had snuck into that hotel and used the pool and got kicked out. Oh, I said the pool would be a great way to celebrate. That's awesome. So everybody was kind of waiting for that moment and it got later and later and later and later. And didn't seem to be happening. So at one point, my boss said to me, hey, look, would you mind staying and, um, you know, seeing if Angelina jumps in the pool? And I said, that's a great assignment. Absolutely. Wait, wait, wait. This is when we sit there and say, is this really my job? Like, this is what I get paid to do. I got to hang out by the pool and wait for Ange Angelina to jump in. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So really, at that point, Angelina was in a at a party and... Um, you know, it, in those days, you could kind of walk around and get in places. It wasn't that. <laughs> and so I went to the party that she was at because I figured I needed to follow her. Mm -hmm. And then I put the cam, I put the camera crew down at the pool just in case she slipped past me. And um, sure enough, she she walks out of the party and onto Wilshire Boulevard, and I follow her out to Wilshire, and I said, "She's getting in a limousine." I said, "Where where are you going? I thought you were going to jump in the pool." And she said, no. And she goes, I am, but I, I have to change my dress. Oh. I said, mm -hmm. I said okay. And she asked, and I'm like, she's not coming back. Yeah. So I started, <laughs> part, I started continuing the party in that party. And sure enough, my cell phone rings, and it's my crew calling saying she's in the pool. She's in the pool. No way. So, Wait, in the so dress? In, in the dress, everything. Yeah, that's so her. I, that's her. I, yeah. She, she So I come sprinting down. We're the only camera crew there. I'm so the only person there. I'm like, I got to interview her. So I grabbed the mic 
And I say, Hey, can you know? And she says, get, she says, get in the pool. And I yeah. said, no, I'm not getting in the pool. I got, I got my cocks. I got, yeah. you know, uh, and she grabs onto my arm and pulls I me in. I love it. I and love I, it. I just happened to have a picture. Oh, that's awesome. Stop. I love it. Wait, I got to see you. Oh my gosh. Look at young Jeremy and young Angel. I love it. That's awesome. And that's the only interview I've done in a pool. And it was a big exclusive and it was a lot of fun. And that is a story. And until I wrote the book, every time you interviewed or uh, typed my name into Google, it was Angelina, Angelina, Angelina. Now there's Beatles. So, yeah, I know. I know, but that is, Hey, those are two good things to have pop up, but I love that. And I was just going to ask you, did anyone, I mean, I know your cameras captured it, but like, you know, we didn't have iPhones probably back then. Right. We didn't. Yeah. No, no. it's a YouTube moment. If yeah. you go on YouTube, it's all over. The, oh, okay. The, oh my the God. I love thing. it. See all the video. And oh, the I love it. I'm going my to find boss, it. My boss was so happy. Oh, that totally. Day. What a great, yeah. and that's everything about that is so hurt. Cause I was, I was going to ask about the dress. And then I was surprised when you said she wanted to change. Cause I'm like, She's a wild child. Like she should just be jumping in in the dress. Who gives? A she just you yeah. know skyrocketed herself. Down in champagne. I love it. And everybody to jump in. Nobody would get in with her. Oh it my! What did they see? These are regrets. These are the regrets we all have yeah. years later. But okay. So then a couple of weeks ago, we're walking down the <laughs> street in Vegas for work. Everyone, calm down. And we, I said to you, I said, Jeremy, walking past this hotel, I have a little bit of PTSD. And you're like, why? And I said, because I, the last time I was in that hotel for a show was when Steve Harvey was doing the Miss Universe show. And he, he named the wrong Miss Universe. And like, you got to understand Miss Universe, the crowd is packed with people like groups from different countries, people from Colombia come in, Venezuela, Philippines. I mean, this is a big deal internationally and when he did that which i give him all credit for to come out and say hey listen this was a mess up but it was like you didn't know it was going to happen you know what i mean it was like total total chaos because the people from the different countries were all ticked off so i'm like i'm getting the heck out of here so like we went out of the <laughs> out of the theater and um yeah it was just this moment so i said that to you and then what did you say to me after and i said okay go ahead you said i said I, I've got PS, uh, you know, PTSD. Myself yeah. because, uh, you know, that's where the, uh, a, a Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson fight took place. And I was at that fight covering that again for access Hollywood and just real quick sidebar. There was a moment where I got to walk in the press entrance. Uh, into the arena and in front of me was uh, Sylvester Stallone oh. walking in and the fans like chanting. Oh, that's, awesome. that's, that's something awesome. I'll never forget. That's awesome. But anyway, it was a very, it was a star studded night. Everybody mm -hmm. there. And I, I mean, Mike Tyson bites into uh, Evander's ear and a uh, chaos. I mean, it was chaos. Uh, we, I, I had a run out of there. Um, be, you know, because a riot was starting. And, a riot. You know, yeah. Like people there, were. There, yeah. People were freaking out because the fight ended and, you know, there's money involved and all. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you're there in Vegas. Gun, there was a gunshot at some point. 
And so I'm running out to get out through the kitchen to just get the, get out of that hotel. But, and yeah, well, the, we, the, the best part is you're telling me this. You're like, I was like scared for my life and I'm hiding behind a stove in a restaurant. And I just start laughing like I'm so terrible. Like I should have put myself in it, but I just start dying laughing. I'm that friend who laughs when you like trip. I'm like not going to help you. I'm just going to sit there laughing at you. But I'm like, this is like, yeah. I, and I guess as someone who, you know, was heard about it in the news, you know, I don't think I was watching the fight. But I heard about everyone heard about it. And I never really heard any story from anyone who was there, you know, until you told me that. And it was like I had no idea what went down in the in the arena and how there was that fear and panic. And and listen, only in Vegas. Right. But I um, I have I have a quick Tyson story and a, a quick Evander story, too. So I worked on the Comedy Central roast of Charlie Sheen. It all comes back to Charlie Sheen, right? And um, yes. yeah, that was a good show. And um, Mike Tyson was one of the people roasting him, which is kind of funny. And so we're in the production offices one day. Everyone's running around. It's like day before show. And I go speeding down a hallway and someone comes out of the men's room and we literally bump like we're face to face. You know what I mean? Like full body contact. And he goes like this and it's Mike Tyson. And he goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I'm sorry. I didn't touch you intentionally. Do you understand that? And I'm like, yes, it's totally fine. He goes, no, I want to make sure we're good. Like you didn't, like I didn't do anything. I'm like, Mike, we're good. But it was just like, it was just funny because, you know, Spike Tyson, he had to be like this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I know, I know. And then my my Evander Holyfield story is a classic. It's um probably two years after the big, you know, bite happened. Um. We were at the Super Bowl for ESPN and I was working in special events. So we threw the big events and the big parties and so forth. And for some reason, we were doing a boxing theme and um, we had a big boxing ring and we thought, OK, we're going to we were able to get Evander Holyfield to join us. And we thought every one of our guests. So these are like VIP, you know, the top 500 people involved with ESPN and clients and whatever are going to get to stand in the ring with Mike Tyson and get a picture. I mean, Mike Tyson. Evander Holyfield and get a picture as a keepsake. So, you know, the night's going on. Everyone's like in awe because again, the story had just, you know, it was like two years old and everyone's getting in. Well, it's my turn. And keep in mind, I'm like 27. And so I go in and I'm like, hi, Evander, it's really nice to meet you. Um, But you're standing on my good side and like my hair goes this way. Do you mind if I stand on that side? And like, I see my coworkers in the background, like, no, Carol, no. Like, and my boss is like, what is she doing? You know, and he's like, Okay, you know, and so he switched. And so bottom line, I have a surprise picture for you too, because I was oh. the only one who ended up with the photo of Evander's new ear. Hold on. Let me see if I can get it <laughs> there. Yeah. Young Carol Silver. Can you see it? I can see his ear. Yes. And there's, there you are. Yes. Yes. There I am. There I am. But it was like, I got off that box and everyone's like, what are you thinking? Like, don't forget about your good side, you idiot. Like the poor guy got his ear bit off and now you have the photo. Anyway, that was my story. Um, it's, you know, the dumb things we do, but, um, the dumb things we do. Okay. So we end every episode where I ask you a just random fun question. No right okay. or wrong answer. It's an opinion. Okay. okay. But yours is kind of, it's not even an opinion. It probably has a little story to it that you don't know yet. But okay, I'm going to tell you. So have you ever, because we get to deal with all these people. I mean, look at who we get to deal with. We just ran through a bunch of them. And it's pretty cool. But have you ever totally fanboyed? Like you were like, 
oh my gosh, like you kind of like lost it. Like maybe not physically, but internally you were like, holy crap, like I'm meeting fill in the blank. And yeah, I'll tell no, I mean, there's two. Oh, there's two. Can okay. I do two? Yeah, do two. And, and one, of course, is a beetle. Um, at the Golden Globes, again, the Golden Globes is the best place to ever. It is. It is. I wish they didn't cancel that. I thing. know. I, back. I like, used to work on it. It's, yeah, it's, it's the, bomb. the bomb. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Paul McCartney, I had an interaction with him at the Golden Globes and had my chance to say something, but yeah. didn't. Yeah. I froze. You froze, of course. So I just, that was it. And he walked by and that was that. Uh, <laughs> and I would say the other one, again, at the Golden Globes, Mick Jagger. The next. Oh, year. that's cool. Yeah, and I, I managed to shake his hand and thank him for his music, but it, I don't. I know, because you feel like, yeah, you just turn into this new person. Like, you're like yeah. a kid again or something, and then you. I mean, that, and, and it's weird, too, because that's our job, Carol, to deal yeah. with celebrities on a regular basis. And it, it's very rare that you lose it. But man, those two. Uh, totally. And my, you are so much cooler than I am, because when you hear mine, you're going to just think I'm the official, like, dork of the world. So. We're, my husband and I were flying up to uh, Mammoth from L.A. to go skiing. And, you know, it's a small airplane that goes. And we're there and we're waiting online. And there's this guy there and he starts talking to us. And he's older than us. And he's like, oh, my name's Carlton. And, and so I'm thinking, what do you think of when you hear Carlton? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're like, oh, my gosh, that's so what a weird coincidence, you know. So we meet Carlton and he's we're just talking about L.A. My husband will talk to anyone. You know, I'm the introvert. I just sit in the background and my husband's gabbing away. So we go, we go up to Mammoth. We're coming back from Mammoth. Well, Carlton, our new friend, is on our flight again. So we start talking to him again. We get on the airplane going back to L.A. And my husband just shows me his phone. He goes, this is why this Carlton name's like ringing true. So basically it was Carlton Cuse, who is the writer and one of the co-creators of the show Lost, which was my all-time favorite show. And then little tidbit, his name, Carlton, his college, his college roommate, I believe, wrote The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So named that character after his college roommate, who we're now. So, so George is like, that's, that's the you know, writer and creator of Lost. I lost it, Jeremy. I start like breaking out and like I had like hives on my neck and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is. That was my favorite show. And my husband knew that. And he's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, you've like you met Madonna at the Golden Globes. You work with presidents like but this guy, like this random writer. And I'm like, I'm an English major. This is like the Hemingway of our time because he was like he wrote the most like heart wrenching episodes. So I am Jeremy. I lost myself. Like I can, my husband's like, I am embarrassed. I don't know you like the plane landed. I'm we're in first class. I'm boxing people out. I'm like, deal with the luggage because I needed to stalk him. And he was like two rows ahead. And I like go up to him and I'm like, I just want to let you know that the show you wrote that was called The Constant um, it changed my life. And that show was about, did you, did you watch Lost? I, I did not watch. Okay. You're going to watch it now because the show, the constant was one of the, but it won awards. Like it was about how everyone in their life has a constant and it might not be your parents. It might not be your spouse, but there's that constant person or figure in your life who you can't live without, you know, there's such a deep sure. bond and a deep love. And the way the story went, it like everyone left that episode talking about going, who's your constant? You know what I mean? And people were sobbing. Me and my girlfriends are sobbing. So I'm like, 
I'm like, excuse me, Carlton. I'm like, your show, The Constant, it changed my life. I'm like, sobby. I'm like, it changed everything. And I'm like, my girlfriends and I talked about it and blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me and he's like, really? That one? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that one. Right. And so then I'm walking off with him. I leave the luggage. I leave George with everything because I don't care at this point. And I'm like, so, um, yeah, do you like the Super Bowl? Do you want to come? Do you want to be my guest? I just, I completely love my husband's like, you were such an embarrassment. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, the guy wrote something that was important to you. You got to, you know, come face to face. He probably had a million questions you wanted to ask. Oh, my gosh. He's like, he's 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 a life changer. And you you need to go watch Lost because I'm telling you, it's... I will. It changes your life. The subjects that are on that just change your life. And yeah, so anyway, but that's it. I, res I respect your opinion on everything. So I will pick up Lost. Yeah, that was my big, that was my big fangirl embarrassment. <laughs> embarrassing moment but um anyway um i want to thank you for being on and i can't wait to see you soon which i know i will and um again everybody psh, mother's day father's day the beatles there in los is. angeles it is the coolest most fun read i've had in a really really long time and thank you jeremy for being on thanks carol thanks for having me it's fun uh talking with you and laughing with there's so many stories. Well, we might have to do a part two down the road because there'll be more stories. I mean, so it never ends. It never ends. It never ends. But um, thank you everyone for tuning in. For more info, find me at hollywoodsportsmom.com. And we will see you again soon. And I'm going to end every show by just saying something that I think we kind of talked about. And it's my favorite line since kind of getting through a cancer scare or two and everything else is celebrate life. Let's just celebrate life, right? Celebrate I'm life, Jeremy. I'm with you on that. That's what I do every day. I love it. All right. I'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.